Hi guys, so today's special is another tactics rundown and we do have some graphics that we're going to be discussing a few times. So I wanted to let you know it is available uh, as a YouTube video as well. So if you check out the Tilehurst end on YouTube, uh, look for our channel uh, and like and subscribe obviously, all that good stuff, um, then you can find the graphics that we're discussing there. It should work pretty much as a listening experience, but just wanted to put that out there. Do go check out the video if that interests you. Enjoy the show. Ross's, what are we calling these? Ross's Reading. Ross he's talking about this. Ross's tactical thing. Yeah, Ross's tactical thing. Um, he's invited me along to this one, which is which is quite exciting for me because uh, anyone who listens to, to what we do knows I don't really go into the tactic element of it. Um, I, I always leave that to, to Ross. But you will have seen you know, over the last few weeks that Ross has done a lot of videos and a lot of kind of different components of, of what um, of what we've been doing in the games, really. And and this one is, it's kind of focusing on the shift from a, a previous formation, which was obviously 4-1-4-1, to a kind of a more approachable, is that the right word, Ross? I don't know. But I think so. I, you think know, kind of like, I think it's a formation more like kids will have played in their in their youth. I mean, they can both be coached out of a 4-3-3, um, which is especially common over over here in the States. Um, I was always taught in a 4-4-2 when I was a kid. Um, but old school. Yeah, old school. But a lot of formations come out of this sort of structure now. So I so I think this is a good thing. reason it was good to have you along for this today, Ben, is because I know you like talking about the midfield and a lot of a lot of what's going on with, with the 4-2-3-1 is related to the midfield. Um, so yeah, let me run through a few uh, uses of it. Initially, we saw it uh, against Lincoln for, for a full game. Um, we saw Savage come in for Craig on the 64th minute that day. So obviously, we normally think of Savage as our more creative, um, a, 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 our player who can really play a range of passes. Um, we saw a little bit of that yesterday against Stevenage, whereby he's really good at these sort of just like one-touch um, changes of the play whereby he'll take the ball from one side to the other. Just realize you're wearing a Wales um, top while I'm talking about Savage. Um, but he's also good at uh, his long ball delivery, of course. So we had a cross that came about last night um, because of uh, Charlie Savage basically picking up the ball on the, on the left side and putting it over to Femi. So we get a little bit of both uh, with, with Savage. Um, and obviously in this sort of 4-2-3-1, he's got a bit more license, a bit more defensive cover. And then the I mean, other we, game, we, we talked a lot to, to interrupt you. We talked a lot no, about no. those two players, and I think th there is well, there is a, a, a well held narrative in the fan base where it's like you either play one or the other, right? I, I, I guess without sort of you know moving away from what we're talking about here, how how comparable are they? in this formation of a of a four two three one. So for example, if you know if if we're playing four one four one, it seems to me that Craig might be favourable 
in that one in terms of of the protection of the of the back four but in this 4231 are we are we kind of leaning towards savage being you know better in, in terms of working with lewis wing for example in this formation I think touching on Lewis Wing is actually an interesting point here because I think part of why this has come about uh, is because Lewis Wing, when we were playing in the four-one-four-one, was often having to drift into that right-back position, which was going okay in terms of creating chances, but it then had him out of the way. I think the Savage suits this um, double pivot position better personally um than craig but i do think that they can both do it and i I also think they're both what like 20 years old so maybe in a year or two um they'll be even better at doing it um but i think that this has partially been done because wing needed to be brought back into the middle of the field so that he could impact more of the game um and i think that savage has benefited from that because wing's been playing pretty well defensively over the last few um weeks as well so having a defensive partner alongside savage um is something i think that's allowed him to just focus more on moving the play around him um and creating chances and and things like that so i would say that they're both sort of suited for either but if you're going to play the 4-1-4-1 at the moment craig is probably better um but i don't think the formation shift is necessarily about those two all right, so here are some notable recent uses. So obviously last night, um, we're recording this on, on Wednesday, February the 7th. So uh, last night we went up to Stevenage and, and beat them uh, with uh, less than 50% share of possession. Same again with, with Derby. Um, both games in which we saw a decent amount of XG against and then against Leighton Orient as well, which is where this picture comes from here quite a lot of XG against. Um, But with Wigan, um, keeping it a lot tighter. um, And this is kind of a a really interesting performance in contrast to the uh, Wigan performance in which we actually won at the Medeski a few months earlier. I think if you look back at the underlying numbers from that, we actually played better on the road against Wigan but came away with a loss, whereas, you know, at home um, came away with a a win, obviously. So just shows small margins in, in football. But this is a great picture that uh, came from came from Sim. This is Sim's spot in the in the stand. So maybe you now know if you sit near our editor. Um, but you can just see clear as day here the the four two three one against Leighton Orient. Um, you've got Savage and Wing here in the middle, um, and then Makairu, Nibs, uh, and Aziz on the other side with Smith um, just keeping the play stretched vertically, basically. So really easy way to just spot this. Um, and then let's take a look here. Um, basically, what we're looking at is how this sort of double pivot can can allow us to build up through the middle, something that when we do it, we're quite successful, but um, we don't do it much, which we talked about during the build up video. But what we're looking at here, basically, you get Wing and Savage coming in. This is right after a free kick in our half. Um, they're occupying three separate Derby players here. So this guy, you know, he, he's kind of stood between Wing and Binden. So if the ball does come out to Binden, he can get out there. Um, but the number eight here for Derby has started creeping towards Wing as well in case that ball um, comes here to stop him from turning. Now that small little bit of commitment from Darby and that tiny few steps that he takes this way means that we can actually get the ball straight through the middle. This space here has been vacated. Tom Holmes puts it admittedly with a really good pass uh, through the middle. And then we find Harvey Nibs. 
uh, Derby now have five players stranded in, in Reading's half. So we can't quite see the guy, um, the number nine, who's up here. We've got these other four players here. Um, and we know that Yedom's made his way up. So we're looking at a, a six on five in this half. Uh, means we're looking at a six on five in this half as well. So five Reading players, six Derby players. It's a pretty favorable um, situation in, in which to attack. Even more so, once we get out into this huge space here, you can see there's just this gaping wide space um, after we're able to play it through the middle. And again, this all starts from just um, drawing more players closer to you in the initial stages and build up to get them out of position earlier. Um, Aziz gets all the way down into the box. This one actually ends in a, in a shot for a Yidam right here eventually. This is the one that crashed off the post. Um, but what I like about this too is that um, Savage has the license now to get up into the box, get into a place where we've seen him score goals from before um, against what, against Millwall, against Charlton uh, in the Pizza Cup when it was still the Pizza Cup uh, and, and things like that. So I just really like how this formation allows us to both defend and attack and to, and to draw other teams in. Um, all right, so here we're looking at um, some heat maps versus Stevenage and just kind of, again, showing how Wing and Savage are operating as a, as a double pivot. Um, I do think that Savage is now going to play a lot more, um, given that we are comfortable in this formation at the moment. Um, and you can see that Savage was a little bit more withdrawn than Wing last night. Wing was able to get a little bit further forward more often. Um, and that's why I've included Roberts here for Stevenage. He was the number 10. Um, and his heat map kind of shows you that Stevenage's attacks were going down this right side. So Savage was being called into action more um, to defend in, in that particular area. I mean, what's... You know, you explain that pretty well in terms of the, you know, in and out of, of possession when we do have the ball in this formation. But what what ultimately do you think is, is the main change from shifting from 4-1-4-1, which we kind of stuck with for most of the season up until, you know, as you said, sort of recent games or recent times, to 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 four two three one. What what's made sellers go? This is this is what we're going to do from now on in in most of the games that we play. That's a really good question. Um, you know that that does make me go back to wondering if it's partly because you know Savage can start again more now. Um, we haven't seen Rashisha in that position at all. That doesn't seem to be something that he's interested in. I think partly um, it's come from further forward again. You know, it's it's funny, like a, a lot of these changes happen because of other things. So we're saying, I was suggesting that maybe they moved out of the 4-1-4-1 because Wing was having to go back to right back a lot and try and build plays from there, which is great until he's then not in the central positions to, to shoot and, and things like that. I think that's something else Reading have had trouble with is finding a proper left winger to fill that space on the on the left wing uh, in the way that Aziz does and, and really, you know, give opposition defenses some trouble. Um, and so bringing us into this sort of 4-2-3-1 where the, um, where the forward can be a little bit more, not central, but certainly in the half space, you know, between the wide areas and the central areas on the left and right side rather than having to go all the way out wide i think i think that's another benefit i think there are just some small benefits throughout the team uh basically and i think it also allows you to get a bit more out of your out of your squad 
I mean, obviously talking to the left-hand side, we've got, you know, Kelvin who, who started last night, um, you know, really uh, watered himself down with uh, Steve Evans' tears, uh, which, yeah. which we all did yeah. after, after last night's fantastic result, really. So, um, yeah, very, very delighted with, with Steve Evans being unhappy, I have to say. Yeah. But in, in terms of, of that formation, you know, we talked, well, you talked a lot earlier in the season about Nelson Abbey, um, you know, before he, he, he left us in, in January, kind of building mm. the attacks or, or the, the ball progression, if you like, from uh, central defence. Do you do you feel that part of this change now in terms of the way that we move the ball out of defence has, you know, ultimately had to shift because we've lost the main ball carrier in the defence in Nelson Abbey? Or do you think, like you said, in terms of Savage, this is just we had a little bit of success when we sort of dabbled in this and now he's gone, this is what we're sticking with, this is how we're going to do it and we don't need necessarily for the defenders to kind of carry the ball out for so much because we've got those two players, you know, at the start of the midfield to, to kind of, you know, progressively bring the ball forward for us. He does like a little experiment before he shifts to something full-time. Like, I, I think that he tried around with the... 4-3-3 that eventually turned into the 4-1-4-1 against Portsmouth, for example. Um, but I think that's actually a really good point that Abby's gone and that kind of means that we need to make some changes to how we build up. We talked about during the build-up video about how Abby running the ball out of defense, you know, that's a dynamic way in which Reading can can build the play up. Um, and there's no, <laughs> there's really no answer for that. You know, if we're playing a 4-1-4-1 with a single pivot, as we saw against Exeter, you could mark the single pivot out of the game. Um, if we're playing a 4-2-3-1, then, you know, maybe you don't have that issue, but then also maybe you have a little bit of trouble getting enough players into the box. Um, but there's no real, like, there's no, you know, there's no real opposition counter to their centre back can just run around us, uh, other than giving him a bit more space. So I think that that's linked to to Savage coming back into the team more actually. In the now that we don't have that dynamic um, asset to the team in terms of Abby running out, um, we have instead the dynamic asset of Savage's passing range, right, and that he can just launch it basically wherever he wants. A lot of our clearances have become a lot more directed um in in recent weeks which which has been fun to see so yeah good question that's a good question i mean it, you know it talks a little bit about a defensive element there but with with the 4231 that we're now kind of employing deploying employing i don't know oh, one of those yeah yeah um, I, I know. does it does it make us more creative in terms of opportunities for goals in terms of goals scored um, in terms of, of kind of forward passes, really, is it is it generally speaking for us a more fruitful opportunity to get forward and, and, and get some goals in the net? Basically? I would say so. Um, I do think that. I, I mean, I think you can look at. So, Reading have had more shots uh, on average in the four two three one per ninety uh, than they do in the four one four one. It's not a crazy change. Uh, it's something like ten and a half. Um, for four two three one and, and nine and a half something like that um, for for four one four one. Um, I also think that I actually I tell you what I think. I think that this allows us to be attacking in a flexible manner. Um, so 
we were able to attack consistently against Wigan and against Lincoln, um, not to put the ball in the back of the net. And at some point in the future, we'll talk about our issues with chance creation, but that's for another day. Um, but I think that, you know, we had games like Wigan and Lincoln where we had a lot of control, but then these games against Stevenage and Derby, um, they were games in which we were being pushed back a lot. Um, and we had to attack in transition. Like we talked about, we had to attack with counter attacks and, and fast breaks and, and things like that. Um, but in that four, two, three, one, I think we can do that, um, really effectively. I think that having more players around the ball, um, you know, to sort of collect passes and, and break out quickly from corners and, and set plays into the box and things like that. Um, we we just suit that. We got a lot of fast players. Um, so I definitely think it allows us to attack in a more flexible manner. But in general, looking at this, this is uh XGA against an XG four um for Reading in four two three one and four one four one. Um this is over five different games. I've listed those games um that I was charting here. I've left out Cheltenham and Peterborough. Uh Cheltenham for game plan and Lewis wing basically saying we just didn't play at all in the first 40 minutes uh, with that game. It just seems like a weird outlier during the Christmas period. And then the Peterborough game, um, I didn't, I didn't run that one because we switched halfway through that game. So I wanted to go with purely one thing or the other. Basically, if you look at the differential, um, you can see that we come out a little bit better on four two three one, um, and, and and a little bit worse on on four one four one. Overall, this season we're a little bit under our numbers on XG. Uh, our differential is, is low. Um, it's not as low as zero point three nine though. And I think this sort of talks to. You know, I don't think that the four two three one would necessarily be this effective forever moving forward, but I do think that it kind of shows that the four one four one has has run its course a little bit. Um, which, by the way, how tough is being a League One manager now, whereby you still have the you still have the you know sort of similar ish level of players to what you had ten years ago, but every single coach now is doing what we're doing right here, right in the midweek, and they're just looking at your team picking it apart and working out how to counter it it feels often you know this happens in the premier league uh, all the time you know you, there are like half a season bouts of tactical changes that are amazing and then they just disappear because they get countered and they don't work anymore and it doesn't feel like that happens quite as quickly in in the lower leagues obviously but it certainly happens right like we we brought in the 4141 it worked nicely for a while and then it got game planned against and now it doesn't work quite as well. Um, yeah, I just think it's interesting. I mean, it, it also shows you that football analysts are just idiots like us, basically. This <laughs> like, they, yeah. they, you know, they have this, they have access to the same information. They just they just go through it in more detail and are able to kind of transfer it off to to people that are going to have an effect on the game. Really, I mean, you know, before we talk about the benefits of of what this provides us as a football club, do you? You know, we, we talked a lot on, on the main pod about, the, you know, the summer recruitment and the fact we shed a lot of players and the fact that a lot of players came in. But there was a kind of a specific profile of player that was, you know, brought in during that summer transfer window. Do mm -hmm. you, you know, looking at the balance of our squad now currently on, what are we, 8th of February, 7th of February? Yeah, um, does 4-2-3-1 suit the profile of those players better than... You know, four three three. Dare I say it? 
and the the four one four one that we've played this season. Do you, do you feel like the players are far more comfortable with the four two three one, or is it a combination of confidence, form, and and other stuff that that goes into the mix when we're looking at this from an analysis point of view? Uh, yes, I think the squad is more suited to this formation or a four-three-three, really. But I think that this one makes the most sense. I think that Ben Elliott um, is suited to that front line of three. Um, I think that, like we talked about, we don't really have a clear left winger in the squad right now. So um, a hip Hatcherman stepped in there for Stevenage and he's done so off the bench a few times, but I don't think we expected him to be that player at the start of the season, certainly when he was mostly starting as a central forward. Um, so I think that, you know, it's quite a pound of itchy squad right now. There's a lot of technical players. Um, there's a lot of pretty fast players, but there's quite a lot of technical players who are just, reasonably good in a lot of different positions um, they can move the ball in small spaces um and i think that but it, like i said there's not a ton of width in the squad so i think that it just suits having you know like that sort of like a left attacking mid right attacking mid right forward left forward sort of thing i just think it's a little bit easier to play for for players who aren't you know able to constantly run down the wing and and produce chances that way Okay, so in in general, the, this formation is kind of better suited to the the profile of players that we've got in the squad currently. And, and you know, from let's say from a casual observer, that's not quite true because obviously I'm fully invested in it. But from a from a casual tactical point of view, as I I always look at it, you know, generically rather than sort of individual bits, that the players tend to look a lot more comfortable. And I think you know talk about the benefits you know right now but there's you know obviously we're going to we're going to talk about smith in terms of his lack of goals potentially but the, you know when when this works he's he's far more involved in the play and he gets a lot more opportunities to to get those shots off now admittedly last night against steven if there was a couple of opportunities that you know, just looked a bit rusty or didn't look quite on it. But but generally yeah. speaking, you know, this this allows him to make, um, you know, slightly more daring runs, slightly more problematic runs for the defenders that he's up against. Yeah. So you know, in in terms of generally with with the benefits of this uh, this formation, what what kind of stuff are we looking at, Ross? I do think that, um, so like we, I, I'm not going to talk too much about Kelvin being on the left because we talked about how we have a, a squad that's a little bit better suited to forwards being able to play in the half space rather than the full wide space. And you'd expect the full wide space more in the 4-1-4-1. And we've talked about Savage as well in his passing. So I, I do think getting Smith going again is going to be one of the main benefits. Um, I watched all of his shots um, this year. Um, there haven't been many. Uh, there have only been five shots from Sam Smith since the um, sort of I'm calling it the post protest return, um, because obviously with the with the game abandoned because of protests and everything, the, the first team squad really went a long time after the Exeter game before properly playing another 90 minutes. The first time being that Wigan away game in which they dominated the game. They just couldn't score. Um, but again, Smith just hasn't been getting enough opportunities to shoot. And most of those shots that he's gotten so far this year have come from long balls forward. I think that putting this 4-2-3-1 together allows us to get nibs um, closer to Smith in a way that's going to be positive for, for both of them, um, by, 
the way. But um, I think definitely for for Smith as well, it's seven games without a goal now. So um, you know, we could do with him picking up another goal soon, just for just for his confidence uh, as much as anything. Um, and I think that when we're playing nibs and wing sort of together ish in those sort of central roles, you know, wing would drop back into that right back spot or he'd move around a little bit more uh in the defensive third and leave more of the pressing to nibs but regardless just putting two players there kind of meant that nibs was drifting a little bit more to the left in my opinion which i think it's great to have him more central i think as central as we can make nibs um the better basically um so yeah i'd say getting smith going again um is definitely gonna be a benefit to this partly because we take more shots in general when we're playing four, two, three, one. So should only be to Smith's benefit, really. I mean, from, from my point of view, <clears throat> you know, I, I like the midfield. I really, it's probably the area that I focus on the most. And I thought I've, I've kind of had, you know, positives and issues with over the last few seasons with our midfield in general, really. Um, mm-hmm. But the other area for me is always a big bugbear is, is kind of, how easily strikers can get isolated in in formations, not not just in ours, but in any team really. And yeah. you know, I've always been a big fan of of either the flat two up top, or whether you're playing two, but you're playing one further uh, higher up the pitch and one just dropping back a little bit, just to get close. Because you know, over the course of this season, there has been times where whether that's been Sam Smith, whether that's been you know Kelvin up top, whether that's been someone else. I feel that we leave huge gaps in the final third between the, the, the guy playing right up the top and then and, and players getting close to him. So, mm-hmm. you know, this this will take time to bed in if this is what Sellers is going to go with on this this current run of form and continue to, to push that. But, you know, I would like to see Smith kind of having a little bit more of an opportunity to capitalise on the amount of work that he's getting through per game because yeah. he's doing an incredible amount of running. And he's he's really kind of drawing players out so that other players can get forward. But actually, you know, if this does allow Nibs or you know Aziz or, or or Kelvin or whoever is is kind of in those kind of elevated positions in the midfield, just to get a little bit closer to him. And you know, the other thing I would I would really like to see is is if if it's going to be Savage that plays more regularly, just allow him to pop those balls through a little bit more. You know, Lewis Wing was doing that regularly, um, sort of probably pre Christmas. And and now we're we're not seeing that too much from him. He is getting forward, but we're not, you know, generally in the team we're kind of lacking that that killer final ball to to kind of thread through. And and actually, if this if this allows those players to settle down a little bit, you know, get get the ball forward a little bit more, be a little bit more progressive in the in the forward play that we're we're running. Um, I mean, it, in terms of this four two three one, is is this something that you think he's actually going to stick with now, or do you think? We're just waiting for the next loss, which hopefully won't be for a long time. And then he brings right. it and starts again. Or is this yeah. something that we're going to go, this is what we're doing now, lads. You know, this is this is the formation that Reading Football Club are going to play. This is the kind of thing that we want to see for the rest of the season, you know, going through these games to, to get us out of this relegation scrap, basically. I think my core argument with this video is we should. This is the formation we should use for the rest of the season. Um, perhaps we'll see returns of more defensive 
formations for some games, such as, you know, we've got Portsmouth away coming, and that's going to be a tough game. Um, I think maybe Derby away as well, which which will also be a tough game, obviously. But we've also got runs now against some of the lower place teams in the division. And I think that one of the things that we haven't done a great job of so far since this period of turnaround, since November, is score a lot of goals. Um, we haven't done that much at all. We've been kind of reliant on one or two players to score those goals for us. I think that in general, the whole team attacks better in this um, formation. I do think that they have off games in inverted commas defensively more often. Um, but if you know it's allowing us to score two or three goals a game rather than like one or two, um, I think that's a positive. Um, so. Really, at this point, you know, it, it's it's only likely that we'll see one more decent sized formation switch before the end of the season. I'm hoping it's to this, and this will sh- good should give us a good ex- um, a good sense of whether this is going to be a formation we can use, you know, moving forward into next season. Um, I think it's unlikely at this point that Sellers doesn't start next season as Reading manager. You know, if Reading start the twenty four twenty five season. Um, so I think that, you know, testing out this more expansive, less relegation zone style, if I, you know, to, to use a crass term. Um, yeah, I think this is only a benefit for us. I mean, I think normally anyone watching this would go, do you know what? As long as we get out of this and we win games and we pick up points, I don't care what formation we play. But actually, yeah, yeah. you know, we've, we've been starved of as Reading fans for so long of of not really having an identity and not really having an aesthetic element to how we play. You know, it's, it's either, you know, even in the Yap Stam season, it wasn't, it wasn't good football at all, but it, it, it got the job done and we knew exactly what we'd expect, you know, every, every match day in terms of the formation and the way that we were playing, you know, mm-hmm. again, hate to bring it up, but same with Ince, like it didn't work <laughs> towards the end, but we knew, you know, to a point what we were going to expect from from a Paul Ince team and, and so on. So it would be really nice to have this kind of ethos, um, you know, filling through the club and, and kind of building through all the teams that we've got, at, at, you know, at youth level and under-18s and under-21s and, and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you know, if, if this works and we can start to build some momentum with this particular formation, then great, you know, let's, let's do it. But ultimately all we want is is to win games and, and to get out of this and if this is the shift that we're going to move to then fantastic mm-hmm. you know, really, really I think stuff. that 4141 was the shift that we made to get the confidence back into the team and get the things moving in the right direction and now this is the change to make to become more expansive and and really capitalize on that increased confidence in the team that was my mission. And I think, you know, the, the biggest compliment I can give this is obviously, you know, fresh off last night, really, really good result. You know, mm-hmm. they the, the never, we never looked like we were going to lose the game. And I think, you know, regardless of what you say, the goal was, was, <laughs> was shambolic really. But if, if they, if those go in your favour, again, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But actually, you know, we, we looked, we looked pretty solid throughout. You know, you, I never yeah. thought we we're going to lose this game here. You know, we, we're going to we're in trouble of conceding a goal or whatever. It looked as solid as it has looked for a long time, um, 
and that's a kind of in contrast to Saturday against Oxford when we weren't really in the game, didn't deserve to to, to get anything out of it until around the, the you know the seventy fourth, seventy fifth minute, and then right. we probably should have nicked it. So yeah, that was obviously a personnel thing rather than a formation thing. But actually, there are lots of, of of positives coming out of this this run of what one loss in eleven league games or something, which yeah, is ten or eleven phenomenal, really. You know, considering where we've been over the last few months. That's quite an incredible turnaround. Um, yeah. So, I actually yeah, would say know. the Oxford result, so they actually did play a 4-1-4-1 in much of the Oxford thing, and we talked about it on the podcast, but that kind of annoyed me because they were playing better in a 4-2-3-1, and, and I thought the you know it seemed that the idea was that they'd play that against you know teams they considered to be better teams. Well, Stevenage and Oxford are right next to each other in the table, so I'm not really sure why those those teams required a different approach maybe there's something in the game plan for the other team that i'm not aware of there um but yeah i would have i think that you know in in the way that i was saying sellers likes his experiments to check and see if another formation might work every now and again this almost felt like i hope a last experiment to see if there's anything left you know any legs left in the 4141 um and now i i kind of hope we're done with that and it, it was frustrating, you know, without this turning into a, <laughs> like the extension of the main podcast. But like yeah, right. he, he said after the game, oh, yeah, we, we came here to win against Oxford. I completely disagree with that. I don't think that was the case at all. I think he just went with the mentality of not lose. Whereas last night, you know, the amount of energy and the amount of, um, you know, commitment to the forward play, if you like, or it didn't come off, but like, you know, actually trying to build things and trying to be a bit more progressive in, in what we were trying to do. Um, despite the fact that we didn't have a shot on target, but it, it th- there was just something different about last night, and actually that you know this is it's a really good point you made there, Ross, about hopefully the Oxford game or the or the, the first seventy minutes of the Oxford game was the last time that we would see you know the four one four one deployed because actually we mm-hmm. looked better all round in in the four two three one. So yeah, long may it continue. Um, that just about sums it up or wraps it up for, for this particular tactical rundown. We're still yep. trying to settle on a name, but in the meantime, oh, yeah. all of the videos that Ross has done are up on the YouTube channel, I believe, or our yeah, YouTube channel. YouTube. Uh, they will be on X slash Twitter, whatever you want to call it these days. And they're, they're generally just a really, really good um, you know, look at, at where we are tactically. On top of that, a few weeks back, Ross and uh, Tom Hill did a did a tactical podcast and just just talk tactics for you know forty five fifty minutes. So if you're into yeah, that, we'll and do another one of those. Sort of stuff, then soon. you know, go and have a look at that. I don't know that catalog. And also, you know, as well, if you've got anything that you want Ross to look at in particular, just send him a you know email message, whatever. Drop it on his on his ex account, and he can have a look at it. But um, yeah, really good stuff as always, Ross. Really enjoyed this one. It's it's good to see the difference of, of where we are and what we're. Yeah, it's to nice to see now. a little bit of. Uh, yeah, it's nice to see some growth in the team, and and I think what you said just to sum up my points, uh, or, or 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 close us out here. I, I like what you said about finding identity again, and I think that one of the things we saw about Sellers is that 
at the start of the season is that he wasn't fully there as a manager or a game manager yet, but as a team builder and a squad builder, so it's a good manager to have. And I think that that's what we're starting to see now. And if this team has an identity, it's togetherness and, and hard work in that togetherness. Um, and I think that's sellers partly. And that goes a long way in a football club. <laughs> a football club that desperately needs it, put it that way. Um, yeah. We will see you back on the main pod uh, over the weekend, early next week at some point, to review hopefully a win against Charlton as well as a win against uh, Stevenage, which would top up a very, very good week indeed. Um, as we said, check out all the other ones that Ross has done in terms of the tactical rundowns, and we will see you next time on either the pod or another tactical video. Thank you.